We don't really account for um, how what we can do in five minutes extra a day. Five minutes is massive because it's also think about it like at scale, right? Five minutes a day, right? At the end of the week, that's 25 minutes, right? right. Call it a half an hour. Right. That's two hours a month. That's 24 hours a year. That's you. Let's say you have a team of five people, mm. right? It's 120 man hours a year. So <laughs> when you start thinking about it at scale across a team, right? Mm-hmm. Some people are like, oh, but that's only five minutes. I look at that five minutes for your team as 120 hour time savings a year. What could you do as a team with a hundred, an ex, a free hundred? And it's just free. It's like, you're just getting 120 hours. It's like celebrate those small wins and think about things not for yourself, but the team, the organization. And that mindset shift really unlocks a lot of decisions that need to be made. Like, hey, we should do it this way because it's best for the team. You know? Yeah, I like that. All right, welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. We're here with an another, another amazing entrepreneur that's doing amazing things who has, has actual social proof you ever see. Nick, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm happy to be. I'm glad you're here. Oh, man. I'm having a great time out here in Atlanta. <laughs> As you should. Hey, well, where'd you go? Last night we went to Let Colonial, a French Vietnamese place. I was okay. out with Dre, our yeah. mutual friend, yep, and yep. some other people. Mm-hmm. And then I'm flying back out today. So nice, nice. Quick in and out, but liking it out here. Good, good. Yeah. I want to get in. I want to get into this, man, um, because you are probably one of the most important people to um, the entrepreneurial community. Big, like big level entrepreneurship and also like smaller level, which I think you're even more important in the beginning stages because you get to lay a foundation. A hundred percent. Yeah. So 100%. I'll let you kind of like introduce yourself and what you're doing. We're gonna, we're gonna sure. Do sure. No, I appreciate that. Well, um, I'm Nick. I run a company called Leverage. We help business owners, entrepreneurs, organizations be more efficient. Right. And to your point, the sooner you lay out a foundation, the easier everything else is, right? So we work with a range of people from early stage entrepreneurs up to some of the biggest companies in the world. And ultimately, we're there to teach them the best practices of how to operate better, how to use tools like as simple as email can save you three, five hours a week. But there's tools like out there like email and Slack and Google uh, Drive and Asana and all these tools but no one's ever been taught when and how to best use these and think about them. And if you wait too long to kind of put together a strategy for that stuff, it really becomes difficult to clean it up later. Mm-hmm. Every, any, anything you change when you're bigger is harder, whether it's how you operate or trying to roll out a new policy across the company. Just the bigger you are, the harder you are, mm-hmm. harder any change is. It's exponentially. So if you're early stage, you know, set that foundation, whether it's an operations foundation, whether it's your core values, whatever it is, it's so much easier when you're early stage, it's an advantage. So you sit in and with, when it comes to efficiency, the sooner you do it, your, those time savings, if you can save five hours a week right now and you're early stage, that's five hours a week for the next X number of years that you just got back that you can reinvest in figuring out strategy, how to scale, et cetera. So It's just your time's the most valuable asset, I feel. And I want to give back millions of hours to the world. Um, Stop having to go on a scavenger hunt. Stop having to waste time sorting sorting for some document that's just hard to find because you're disorganized. I want to remove all that so people can focus on, you know, high value add activities. Gotcha. Give me an example 
of a, and maybe you don't have to like use names or anything like that, but give me an example of a small business owner that you've helped and how you've helped them through like just time efficiency. I'm trying to like paint a picture of what it is that you do. Sure. I mean, there's so, there's so many. Um, I mean, for one, I mean, we've worked with health practitioners, vet hospitals, financial advisors, you name it, right? Everyone isn't good at email, right? So I could give you a hundred examples of, you know, a you know three the person. most entertaining situation where like this, <laughs> they needed me to come clean up their systems and we made a few tweaks. All right. So I have, um, I have one example, actually, you know, this person, but I'm not going to name names. And she is a female doctor in the female space. I know the person. Yeah. 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 But I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention. How would I know the person? Because our group that we both met. So when I helped them with email, I helped get them to inbox zero inbox zero is basically like when you open up your email, you don't have 10,000 red unreads. It's like you have like less than 10. Right. And Man, when that's possible, I, I can help <laughs> I you with that. Like that's possible. That alone saves hours a week. But also if you think about how much opportunity and money is sitting in your inbox right now, that is just getting missed because you don't have a good system to get through things. Mm. It's it, email adds stress, wasted time and missed opportunity. Like I can guarantee you've probably got millions of dollars sitting in your inbox right now. If you don't have a good strategy with how you're dealing with email, you could be sitting on millions of dollars in that inbox and you just miss, miss stuff. Right. So helping them with that, that's not funny or sexy, but like that was one, but right around the beginning stages of the pandemic, they had some people that were leaving. They needed to be able to work remotely. So the stuff that we're talking about here, it's just as useful if you're a remote, a remote company or in person, but especially if you're remote or hybrid and you want to work with people remotely, you've got to have some, some strategy around how you collaborate. If you can't just go and tap someone on the shoulder to talk about something. True, true. So with them, like we, we, we worked out rolling out a tool called Asana, which is a work management tool for them to track everything. We worked that out with zoom with Slack, et cetera. So that when they had patients come, literally we had some, their office manager moved into an RV in Pennsylvania. This The office is in Arizona, and we worked out a process so that when women would come in for their appointment and procedures, it was a dialed-in process. Everyone was on the same page. It was kind of like an or, like a well, well-designed orchestra, and people would walk in, and they'd get like they'd get onboard and there was like an iPad and like this woman was on zoom in the back of an RV in Pennsylvania that would walk them through wow. and then stuff would happen in Slack. Other stuff would happen in Asana, you know, and one physical person in the office would move them from room to room, but clicking buttons. And we, we built like a well-oiled machine of an onboarding process. Oh, wow. Um, and you could only do that because people understood how to use these tools properly. It totally changed the way her company operated. She was able to, work w with remote people yeah. in a context where she thought you'd never be able to work remote. Amazing. So. Okay. Give me an example of a really big business. <laughs> um, I can't name names, but we've worked with companies, you know, in the tens and tens or actually hundreds of thousands. The thing is, it doesn't matter if you are a hundred thousand employees or you're a solopreneur or three people. 
you've, everyone's kind of got the same needs. Everyone needs to communicate, right? And that's where email comes in for external, yeah. Slack or Microsoft Teams for internal. Everyone has work that needs to get done, tasks, projects. Again, if you're a solopreneur, you have no team, you still need to prioritize and manage your work. So it's the same tools for one person that 100,000 people need. Mm. And then lastly, everyone has uh, knowledge that they need to document. And you could be a solopreneur, but it's going to be hard to scale and add people if you don't have standard operating procedures and and stuff that's documented to hand off. So we could go through, like I've, I've worked with some, some teams that we've reorganized how their client success department works. And we were trying to cut down on response how their client success department works. Yeah. Companies have a client success department. Yeah. So there's like, you know, this was a large software company and they get a lot of support tickets and like they help, they hired us. This is a little bit not our norm, you know, our normal business is to train people in these core tools, email, Asana, Slack, et cetera. Sometimes if someone has like a big custom problem, they'll hire us. And in this case, um, it was ClickFunnels. If you've heard of ClickFunnels. Yeah, Yeah, they they wanted us to go and take a look at how their customer success department worked overall because they've got a lot of clients. They're getting a lot of support tickets. They wanted to see what's the process of dealing with a support ticket because the faster the response time, the better the customer support, the better the customer support, the higher the retention. And they cared about retention of customers. So we were looking at all the systems and processes related to dealing with their customer support. We've, we've worked with marketing teams. What's going on family. Listen, we are all in the communication business. Did you know you can lose a deal or not get the promotion simply because you said something incorrectly and you just don't seem confident or you don't sound like an authority when you're writing. I'm telling you grammar is important. I have something for you. Okay. It's called Grammarly. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions help you communicate confidently and reframe your words to be more positive and productive so your team gets on the same page and projects get done on time. So listen, I am not the best speller. I'm not, I'm going to be honest. I talk. I talk good. But when it comes to writing an email or something like that, I know something's going to be spelled wrong. So I use Grammarly so that when they receive the email, I look brilliant. I look like a genius. Listen, Grammarly Premium's tone suggestions Take your writing to the next level, keeping you professional as you balance being direct and friendly while finding solutions with your team. Plus, Grammarly has a ton of other great features, advanced spelling, grammar, punctuation, and conciseness suggestions, okay, to ensure your writing is professional, mistake-free, and clear, okay? Listen, the right tone can move any project forward when you get it just right with Grammarly, okay? Go to Grammarly.com forward slash tone to download and learn more about Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions, okay? That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash tone, T-O-N-E. I have, you know, say 100 people on their marketing team and they want us to help them re-optimize, you know, how they're looking overall at their marketing strategy and how they prioritize their work. So, so the way your brain works is inefficiency. Like you could just... You can just go into a scenario and just see where things can be tighter or more efficient, right? Yeah, I mean, like, what's that kind of dog that goes and sniffs out, like, truffle or... I forget that. Oh, no, it was a pig that does that. But anyway, I'm good at <laughs> sniffing out. I'm I'm really detail-oriented. My Before I was an entrepreneur, I was a high-frequency trader on Wall Street. Are you familiar high with that? High-frequency trader? Have you ever heard of that before? 
Um, is it like the Wolf on Wall Street? Like they're in there, like tossing people again? No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm a mathematician by background, so I would build algorithms, code computers to trade stocks at microsecond speeds, all based off of math. I knew nothing about the companies, and I was just trying to capture mathematical discrepancies of fractions of a penny of stocks, but I would trade billions of dollars a day. So that's what I did in my 20s. Really? Yeah. So my back, I'm a financial engineer and uh, high frequency trading was something I did for eight years. So I'm- Nick, there's so much I got to unpack. Hold on. Give me, okay, <laughs> give me a second because I, I got mad questions. Okay, for one, okay. one, you're building out software like trading bots. So I would build the algorithms to go into the bots that were proprietary to my- my team, I, I worked for a, a, a large investment bank and I was in an internal hedge fund in the investment bank. And I, I lived in Asia. I traded all the Asian markets and then I did it in New York for five years too. And I did that career for eight years. And in that career, one, I developed a deeper appreciation for the value of time. Cause like, we're literally looking at microseconds, you know, like we're taught, we're having crazy conversations like, you know, a telecom company will come in and we're talking about how high the tower is going to be to have like the most direct shot to Chicago from New York to save like a nanosecond. We're talking about mm. like doing weird stuff that's like way beyond my technical uh, knowledge, but like bypassing the kernel on the operating system to save another microsecond. So, you know, the, the computer is just like optimized for your algorithm, right? Like we were that doing some crazy. crazy stuff there. But it made a difference. Like a microsecond could mean millions in that business. So I'm just programmed to celebrate small wins. And like, how can I save a microsecond? How can I save a second? And celebrate those small wins because like some people are just looking in general, like how do I save 10 hours a week? Like that's kind of hard. But, and and in my book, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get to later, like I give some strategies, like how you can have some of those big wins. But you also have to be celebrating small wins. Like you have to be programmed to think, hey, I do this thing a lot. How can I save five seconds? But maybe I do that thing like 100 times a week, right? So that's like 500 seconds a week. You know what I mean? Mm. Right? And like, okay, that's like eight minutes a week. That's like a bit more than 30 minutes a month. That's like, hey, that's like in the end, like six hours a year that I just saved from this thing that like I wasn't really paying attention to. Let's go get it. Like, let's find another thousand of those things. So you have to not just be looking for the big things, but the small things. And I developed back to your question. I sniffed those things out because like my background is a high frequency trader. Like I'm programmed to be looking very, very, uh, very, very micro in that gotcha. space. Gotcha. Right? And it's all automated too. So I developed this like skill set for like, right. how do I automate as much as possible? Mm. So coming from, that background of a high-frequency trader? Yeah. <laughs> Choice lit. First, okay, back, back <laughs> before that, back before that. I'd imagine you did really well in school. I did all right. Were you one of the people like you just don't even have to study, you just get it? Uh, here's the thing. In undergrad, yeah, like I did well. I graduated a year early. Um, and in my third year, I realized, hey, I'm going to graduate early. I studied math. Go? I went to UCSB for my undergrad. And then I realized in my last year, and I was just efficient, like back yeah. to efficiency, like my first 
year there, I took a look at the course catalog and I was like, okay, if I take this course, this course, and this course, it counts as three general educations in one. So like I optimized it in the first year, I kind of mapped out, I can take all the classes I need Tuesdays and Thursdays, have four, four day weekends to party. Mm. One hack though with school was I kind of basically without realizing it had like a co-founder in school. This guy, Darren was my best friend and we just signed up for every class together. And we always came one, two in every class mm. and he, he was cool. We were good friends. So we just had a good system where we were, we would just study together and kind of divide and conquer. Gotcha. But then I realized I was going to graduate early. I threw out an application to like 10 grad schools thinking I would just stay at Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. The only school I didn't want to pay for was Berkeley because it was the number one program in financial engineering. Mm -hmm. I was like 19. The average age was 30. 40% had PhDs. I was like, there's no way. It's a waste of money. Mm -hmm. It's the only application my mom paid for. Somehow I got into Berkeley. Mm -hmm. I was the youngest that they ever accepted. The first week there... I became friends with this guy, Serge, who was a, literally a rocket scientist and a professor of artificial intelligence. I never met anyone as smart as this guy in math. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself like, okay, I know how to study math. Like I can get good grades. And I remember he like, he like wiped the whiteboard, handed me the markers, like go and prove that thing. It was called common filtering. It was a mathematical thing. And I remember looking at the pen. I'm like, I actually know nothing about math, <laughs> but I just have a high pain tolerance. I, I know how to study efficiently. I ended up doing really well actually in, in grad school and like won the the prize for th master's thesis and stuff. But I had to work my ass off in that place. Gotcha, got you. And Reese, can we bring his mic down a little bit? Um Let me pull like it down. Volume, I don't oh, know. I mean, you'd have to like, uh, like okay. Reese got you. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so you um you're really, really smart. And okay, this is one thing I wanted to ask too, because I I'm not that. I'm literally the opposite of uh of that. You know what I mean? Like being able to process information and being able to read something to regurgitate is just not my thing. Yeah. What is the downside of being that scholastically smart? Well, I don't even know if that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from like someone like me, I'm like, I think. Go for it. I think that like one, I think the whole concept of school is changing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that sometimes people hang on to their credentials and think that just because they did well in school, went to a good school, that that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. So like, I actually don't really talk about school that much. I find that like when people are, you know, I hate like at a dinner, oh, what, so what degree do you have? What school, you know, it's like, are we still hanging on to that? Like there's so much more yeah. to show success. Um, so I do think it could give people a false sense of kind of their credentials, yeah. you know, and, and lean on it too much. But I don't know, I think school is good, but I think it's not the end all be all. I think that, you know, I think the school gave me the ability to know how to study hard and like achieve something. Yeah. And, but I learned way more outside of school than I ever did in school. Yeah, for sure. For you know, sure. like running a startup and like having to manage a team and like figure out a product or service that the market wants mm -hmm. and like pricing and like marketing yeah. and say like every aspect of that, like they don't teach you that stuff in school. Like, yeah. you know, even in an MBA, like you're not like, 
it's not the same as like actually like taking money out of the bank, taking risk, managing Mm -hmm. that team. Like you're not learning that in school. Like you have to go like, it's really like the school of hard knocks is the only place to learn that stuff. That's true. That's true. Um, so you told me even before this interview that you've pivoted a bunch. You've been an yeah. entrepreneur. Have you been an entrepreneur for seven years or just kind of on this particular path for seven years? On this path, I, I, before this, I had an app that I'd launched. What was that? It's called Calvin. It was a scheduling tool. Mm-hmm. So I've always so you've really been on this efficiency stuff. Yeah, I'm really. De- <laughs> well, I don't know. I think like I think like my whole life, like I've just always hated feeling like I'm wasting time. Like my whole life, I've just been like obsessed with time. Even like when I was a kid and my mom, she's British and she's long winded. And like, even like bedtime stories were hard. I'd be like, all right. So she wore a red dress and she got ate by wolf. I get it. Like, I don't need 10 minutes of this story. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I've always just kind of been obsessed with how do I cut a corner in terms of like doing something a bit better. And so I, you know, back to like school, I did that with the general, the GE classes. And like, I studied efficiently as a high frequency trader. It's all about being efficient and saving time. Think of a number in your head. How much do you think it would cost for me, a pretty successful entrepreneur to coach you every single day to give you all of the game? I'm talking about It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. 
with NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Every day for an entire year, Monday through Friday, I'm on I'm on a, a virtual call teaching you how I've done the things that I've done and me updating you every single day in real time on all the business moves that I'm making, all the negotiations that I'm in, everything that I'm doing before I actually do it. How much you think? And let's say Monday through Friday, and then on Thursdays, we do a Q&A where not only do you get a chance to ask your questions and get them answered, but you get to ha- you get to hear the answer from a whole community, hundreds of other people on a call, and you get their answers that are going to help you too. What do you think? And once or twice a year, get together, free conference that we all get to come to and you get to meet all these people that you see virtually. How much do you think that would cost every single year? 10,000? Not even close. It would probably be closer to 100,000 because it's just, I don't, I, my, my time is valuable and to give you the sauce that's gonna help you make millions, I'd have to charge you at least 100,000. But what I've done is created a community where you get the advantage of learning how to become an entrepreneur. You get to network with hundreds of entrepreneurs every single day. You got a community that keeps you inspired and excited. You will read a book club with us every single day. You'll also have an event where we come together once or twice a year for free. We do all of that for $399 for the year. Go ask somebody. I've got receipts of things that I built over the last decade, okay? Uh, I am willing to coach you. $3.99 for the year. Listen, go to themorningmeetup.com or click the link in this video. Um, Let's get back to the episode. But keep in mind, I want to coach you. Let's get started. And so that's kind of just like what I'm obsessed about. Like, how do I save time for myself, for millions of people in the world? And so Calvin was a scheduling tool also about saving time. I don't know when I see like a until what, what would, what would Calvin be? Do you still have it? No, I shut it down. Um, I, I shut it down because this, the, the first iteration of leverage started doing really well, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I was just following the money. Gotcha. But the problem Calvin was solving was, so I, th- I forget I, the stat was like something like on average for two people to make a plan. It takes like 6.2 back and forth. So I forget what the exact number is, something like that. And with groups, it's exponential. So if you have three people trying to find a time to grab dinner or four people or five people, it's harder and harder. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was newly single. I was making a lot of plans for dates at the time. And I was like a lot of text messages. I'm like, there's got to be a better way to like just manage my personal life yeah. and like manage kind of all the different things I want to do. 
And so I'm an engineer. So I'm like, oh, I should go and build this. There's nothing out there. And it was around the same time Calendly and some of these other okay, tools. So kind of like, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So the difference between Calendly gives you a scheduling link that you could send to one person and one person books. Mine, if you're familiar with Outlook, how you can see, or Gmail even, you can see the, the free busy of your colleagues because mm-hmm. you're in a closed network. I was bringing that to the so, your social network. So mm-hmm. I could upload, imagine like I could upload my calendar into Cal, Calvin we could be friends on Calvin, so we don't work together. You upload your calendar to the to the cloud, and now when I want to make a plan with you, I can see your free busy, and I could propose you a yeah. few times, and you could say, "Hey, these two times work," and you could. It's actually dope. Yeah, and like you could extend that to like four or five people, and now all of a sudden, we're. St- I don't see the details, like I don't see what you're doing, but yeah. I just know, okay, like these have a higher chance of being picked. And so if you get, imagine four people, you could see the white space and then people would start voting. Hey, I like option one better than option two. That's but, dope. So that was the thing. It's really hard to do an app though. Like, yeah. you know. How much, did you, how much did you spend on that? I spent out of my pocket a quarter million on that app. Really? I mean, but I was a first time entrepreneur. I made so many mistakes, prioritized. You know, like we overbuilt for the first iteration. I should have, looking back, I should have gone to market quicker. Because everyone thought it was dope. Like, literally, there's not it's a amazing. single person. Still, I mean, yeah, and it's, it's unsolved. So if anyone listening wants to get in on that, I got, <laughs> I got all the code base. I got the design. But um, and how old were you when you built it? I was 30. I'm 38 30. now. So. Okay, gotcha. Where did you get it? Just happen to have a quarter million dollars laying around? You know, high frequency training wasn't that bad of a first job. Oh, so you was getting to that bag. Oh, yeah. Like, Why did you stop that? That's a good question. I mean, like I was making seven figures in my mid twenties doing this. Um, I don't know. I think that I, maybe it's a bit of me being cocky. Like I just figured, Hey, I'm smart. I figured it out here. Mm. Startups gotta be easy. Like compared to high frequency trading. Yeah. And like, it wasn't like startups is like really hard. 100%. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, I had a good career as a high frequency trader. I had a bit of money in the bank. I had, no wife or big commitments. So I just figured the way I like to think of making decisions is, am I going to regret more not doing it? Like in three years, you know, am I going to regret not having given this a try? And so that pushed me over the edge to give it a try. Well said. So I, um, I tried the app. It was getting some traction, learned a lot. Like if I were to launch an app now with all my knowledge now as an entrepreneur, I'd have a better chance. And then in that journey, I, um, I had a a close friend of mine in the productivity space and we were brainstorming virtual assistant companies. So again, Mm -hmm. in productivity and time savings, we were having dinner one day where the biggest VA company at the time, Zirtual announced bankruptcy and we brainstormed at dinner. What did they do wrong? What's missing in the market? Cause I, I had tried a bunch. We came up with an idea. I'm like, cool, go and get five clients and I'll build the backend system. And we'll launch in two days. days. Like literally, I mean, it was like really, it was the opposite of what I did with Calvin. Like Calvin, you know, I was like hiring expensive designers. We did this massive like video shoot. I mean, it was beautiful, but like it wasn't like that minimum viable product, like, you know, iterate and learn. And so this was like, hey, I'll just build something really scrappy. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I leveraged a tool called Trello. I built, built like an initial infrastructure. He got five clients. And then a month later, I, we gave a talk at Genius Network's annual event. 
we were the day three speaker after Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. And we oh, got... Wow. You've we, been in for a minute, huh? Yeah, yeah, like since like 2015, like seven years now I've been oh, in that wow. group. Yeah, I've known Joe for a while. And we gave a presentation and got like 90 people to sign up for this service that was like literally just a side project. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was like, damn. Like we were like over 10K of recurring revenue uh, like within the first month. So I was like, huh. And so we, we actually had a business. So eventually I shut down Calvin because that got to, so big. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just to just to tell you my journey with that, we grew too quickly. We made so many mistakes. Like it's cool to scale, but premature scaling almost killed that business. We got to in the first 12 months, we were really good with automation and like some of these behind the scenes things. Mm-hmm. But we were growing like 20 percent a month. Uh, new clients, but we had 15% a month churn. So we were still net growing 5%, Mm -hmm. but we were good marketing masking a foundational problem with the product. And so, and what was the the foundational problem? We just like, we just had a bunch of broken processes in that company. If I'm being honest, like we just, we over, we threw money at the problem when we were at capacity, we would hire more virtual assistants or more contractors Mm -hmm. versus trying to figure out the root problem and that's a problem that most companies make. 100%. Right? It's like, how do you increase bandwidth? Oh, go and hire people. Well, sure. Temporarily, maybe that gets a little bit of alleviation. But if you're not hiring them into a robust system, now you've got to go and manage that person, not to mention the payroll. So we got to the point where we were 150 people in the first year that we were managing. We were doing seven figures of revenue. So people think, oh my God, that's impressive. Like I almost had a heart attack. Like it was, <laughs> do you know how hard that is? Yeah, so, sure. so like we were just like hiring people and we were tapping into this, like we, we got really good with where to go and get clients, but we weren't delivering the quality of service we needed to. Gotcha. And so in October of 2017, and I talk about this in my book, where we were having some issues together and he taps me on the shoulder. We, we met up at a coffee shop that we would work at and he, he gives me not two weeks notice, but like not two days. He gives me like two minutes notice that he's leaving. Wow. Yeah. Dang. And at that point, we're 150 people. I'm the behind the scenes guy doing all the, like some system stuff. He was like the face of the company. So like when I tell you it was crazy, like it was wild. Like yeah. 150 people didn't know who I was. 500 clients didn't know who I was. And that 20% new clients went to zero and I'm just left with 15% churn. So when he's telling me this, like I'm sweating, like I'm like, this is, I'm going to go bankrupt here, you know, like, so that's my story. Like we grew really fast. He tells me that he's leaving. I have to. What's up podcaster or soon to be podcaster. Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know ATL baby, Atlanta, Georgia going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. 
Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on social proof podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal make a decision do i just bankrupt this company or do i re-navigate it we would have gone bankrupt had i not had documented processes like we would have for sure but in that three-month period, we lost 40% of revenue, clients, bank accounts frozen, uh, team members you know, leaving to go work with him or hearing that we're going bankrupt, um, cash out 401ks, dad takes a second on his house to help me fund payroll. Ooh. I mean, it was wild. And like we owed three quarters of a million dollars in services, and I just didn't feel morally right to bankrupt the company and just... A lot of people in Genius Network were clients, right? So I was like, mm. I got to figure this out. I saw a path to, I saw I saw where we were. We just got ahead of our skis. We just grew too quick. We didn't have the right way that we operated. Yeah. So I was like, I can fix this. And it forced me to figure out every aspect of the business that needed to get tightened up. Mm. And the silver lining in it is it forced me to figure out this framework called CPR, right. which stands for Communicate, Plan, and Resource which is the core of my book, Come Up for Air. Hold on. CPR, <laughs> Communicate, Plan, plan and, and resource. resource. Those were the three areas I realized 
because we're 150 people. It's it's tough. To, we had no like executive team. It was yeah. 150 direct reports, right? So I was like, okay, we're wasting a ton of time with how we communicate, like how we're managing email, how we're using Slack. Slack's a great tool, but it was like a clown circus in there. Like it was just like, <laughs> you know, you nonstop, like you couldn't find anything, no naming convention. So I'm like, we got to fix this. We got to put some, some SOPs around best practices of how to use, how to communicate. Yeah. Then I was like, I actually can't even answer very easily. What are my priorities? What's my team working on? So that's the plan part. Yeah. So communicate is um, the efficient way that you get a message to your team. To my team to for in, for internal, like, hey, just want to welcome David to the team. Hey, right. um, uh, we just landed this new client. Heads up. They like this, this, and this. Like, that's right. communication. We weren't doing that well. Um, what is an example of doing it bad versus doing it well? Well, doing it bad is like how most people do it, right? They use text, email, and maybe if, you've, if you're using Slack, without any strategy. I'm a texter. Right? So for sure. So it's like, hey, I'm going to text David. Like so let's just say like we work together um you know and I'm on the social proof team, right? Like bad communication would be I text you like, "Hey, I think we should do this with the podcast," right? And then an hour later I'm sending you a direct message in Slack to finish that conversation. So now there's a gap, <sighs> right? And like now to like stitch Welcome together to my convers- life, Nick. Yeah. And then, and then like, maybe there's like a separate group conversation with like the four of us in this room s- continuing that conversation. So then when you want to get like a full picture or something, you're literally like stitching together. Like y- it's not just like you click a button. It's like, here's the whole history. You got to go and like click around. Right. Oh my God. Or I've, I've worked with some companies where they've got, attacked. <laughs> that's how my life operates actually so you actually you, just described how my life yeah operates. i call it in my book i call it the scavenger hunt problem where you got to go like on a scavenger hunt to find what you need it like it should be like one click here's everything you're done mm-hmm. right and like that scavenger hunt is like a silent killer in companies yeah. i've worked with some companies where they use slack great tool they're using it for internal so they're not using text and email cool so there's like less places to look but then they don't roll it out right. So they've got like podcast hyphen marketing. They've got my marketing hyphen podcast. They got like marketing hyphen podcast one. So it's like, which one do you use for gotcha. what? Yes. Right. So you yes. just like want to like streamline it. The most important is that your team is on the same page with where to go for something. Like that's by far the most important. Like whether you use the tools or not, like do people have... N- all are they all on the same page with how you operate? Yeah. Like the name of the game is just in as few clicks as possible. Can you find the information you need? And that's it. So these tools are just tools to support that being able to be achieved. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. So that's the communication. P is the process planning. Planning. So planning. So there's a difference between communicating and work getting done. Like if I said to you, Hey, welcome Nick to the new team. Mm-hmm. That's not like a task that you need to hold me accountable for. That's just an announcement. So that's communication. Right. If I were to say to you, Hey, I need you to edit this podcast. Here's a, here's the file of this podcast. Edit it by Friday. Right. Mm-hmm. There's accountability there. Like you want to make sure that that gets done. Most people are doing those types of things in communication tools where it can easily get lost, where it's not easy to answer questions like, 
hey, did Nick give me everything he needed to give me by Friday, right? So there's tools built to solve that problem. Communication tools are built to communicate. Work management tools like Asana or others, those are built to answer those questions. Again, you want to click a button and answer the questions you want to answer. So you should be able to click a button. What do I need to do? Click another button. What did I ask other people to do that didn't get done yet? Click another button. What's the status of the podcast? Right. How do you set that up? bro? That's where we help. <laughs> okay. Tell me some things like, cause maybe they may not go directly to help. I'm sure somebody's going to be like, yo, yeah. Nick, I just need your help. Yeah. But what are, give me some well, things that they can do right now though. We, we have a ton of free resources. So like people don't necessarily, if you need like more handholding or more tailored stuff, like we can help, but on comeupforair.com, we put out a ton of free resources that people could take advantage of. I would say the very first step is having a policy in your company, like when to use whatever the tools are that you're using and just get alignment. That's like, because even if you don't use email right or you don't use Slack right or you don't use Asana right, at the very least, if your team knows when to look in in those tools, at least they're not looking in three tools or looking in one, right? right? So, you know, just take take kind of what we're saying here with that CPR. What are your communication tools? What are your planning tools? Resources is all about documenting knowledge. So think about those buckets. You don't have to roll out a million tools at once. I would do one tool at a time, but just get your team at first aligned. Like, hey, we're not texting anymore as a team. We're going to use Slack or, hey, we're not emailing anymore, right? Usually- I don't really like Slack for something. Like it seems so, it's mad channels- and then each channel has like a bunch of like different chats in it, kind of. I hear you. 99.999% of the time when people don't like a tool, it's because it just wasn't rolled out and taught properly. So if you roll out any new tool incorrectly in a company, it's probably going to hurt you, right? So if you're not going to do it in a strategic way, I would just completely not even try because it, it could slow you down. Gotcha. But emails are really... There's a couple of things people could do. One, learn how to get to inbox zero. We put out a lot of free stuff there. Yeah. That's a big win. This you see th- that? I got mad. Okay. Yeah. So this is Slack. Yeah, yeah. And I got a bunch of different yeah, you're part- people and teams. So what so are all set. these different ones? You got social proof. Why do you, why do you have all these other ones? I don't know. Well, we got to look at that. Because I have like different people that's like, let's say I have a, I don't know, a funnel building team, right? Yeah. And they also use Slack. So yeah, I'm yeah. Like, oh, it's my funnel building team. So what you could then, do is Slack has something called Slack Connect. So you could have a bridge Slack channel between you and that company. So you don't need to even log into their Slack. You could just have one Slack account and still be communicating with them. So I'm logged into their accounts? Yeah, like each of those workspaces is is a different company. So you probably just need one for social proof and then add a bridge channel and social proof for like your funnel people. Right. And like now you guys can talk in that channel and you don't have to be toggling between a whole bunch of different workspaces. I don't understand just yet. You see what I mean? No, no, not yet. So a Brit. So right now. Yeah. When someone sends me a Slack invite. Yeah. That's me joining their channel. Yeah. And not channel their workspace, their workspace. Yeah. What you're suggesting is I have one workspace. Yeah. And I build a bridge to their company so I can go into one workspace, channel. Yep. one channel, yeah, and communicate with that person, or yep. I can communicate with another person in yep. that all from that one workspace. 
Okay. Yeah, because this is super. Yeah, because like, that's and annoying. Yeah, you know, I know I'm using it wrong. Yeah. Because I have, like, my name is different, and I think I got like a couple different accounts with yeah. the same email. All kind yeah, of weird stuff. I'll do Zoom with you, and we'll clean this up. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Because I can see, I, I that's very common. Like people that are frustrated, like I hate Slack, I hate this. It's just because there's probably Jeez. something wrong with the setup, and if we spend like 20 minutes, we clean that up. And then you're good. Really? Yeah. Like th- we're not talking like rocket science, like some of these changes. It's not like, hey, this is a two year thing yeah. to fix. Like some of the stuff is really quick. Yeah. And I guess. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. That particular confusion is really costing me a lot of time, which as an entrepreneur, yeah, that's money. Like you're a creator. Anything outside of you interviewing people, thinking about strategies for the podcast, like you toggling between a bunch of different workspaces, you having to scroll through text to find, you know, yeah. you know, oh, who's coming on today? And like that takes you an extra minute because like you have to look in three different places. Yeah. You got to clear all that up and maximize the time, as Joe says in Genius, like the stuff that gives you joy or is in your unique ability, mm-hmm. right? Actually, I think that's a Dan Sullivan thing from Strategic Coach. Either but, way, it's really good. But, you, you, you know, like that's that's ultimately what I think the name of the game is here. Like, how do I remove all the stuff that is just not a good use of your time so you could focus on things that yeah. you either enjoy doing? Like, this is enjoyable. Like, I'm sure that, like, if you could do this for the majority of your day, mm-hmm. it'd be a good use of 100%. your time. Right? So. You know, it's interesting. I just, I'm actually going through kind of like a team transition. And I realized that we were like over tooled. Yep. Like we just had mad tools. Yeah. And is that because when you hired people, they came and they're like, oh, I like this tool. And it's like, oh, okay, go and set that up. Or probably. But I, I had one person that was kind of like central. And I think, I think you can sometimes rely too much. Well, and you tell me relying too much on systems and not creating a system that works like just different systems put together to create one system. It's a balance. Like you don't want to have like a thousand tools to be managing. Cause like people can't be toggling between too many mm-hmm. on the other extreme. I see people like just want to use text and email and nothing else. Yeah. So there's like an in-between here That's where right? I really like text. Actually. Yeah. I mean, look, it matters what you're optimizing for. Are you optimizing? This is, we're starting to get into the foundations of like what I believe is the foundations of efficiency. This is good. This right? Is good. So this is what I realized. And this is the underpinning concept of my entire book, right? So if I had to summarize the 320 pages into like two sentences, mm-hmm. right? People are optimizing to transfer information as fast as possible, right? Nothing is faster than text. So if you're optimized, if you like text, it means you're optimizing to transfer stuff as fast as possible. Okay. Right. 
what I believe is the is what's needed in terms of mindset to scale and to really kind of get to the next level. Right. You need to optimize for retrieval, not transfer. And so optimize for retrieval, not transfer. So what I mean is nothing's faster than text, right? Right. But the problem with text is if in a week you need to go and retrieve, hey, what did I say to Nick? Was that in text? Was that in a group text? Was that in Slack, a Slack channel? Was that in Asana? Whatever. You're not, you made it fast for yourself a few weeks ago to get it off your plate, but you're making it 10 times harder for yourself and your colleagues to retrieve information that they need to retrieve in the future. So the mm. the subtle but distinct mindset shift that I realized, it was like a big aha moment is like, hey, I'm actually even doing this mistake. I'm just, I'm optimizing to transfer stuff as fast as possible. Yeah. People are drowning in work, right? That's why this book is called Come Up For Air. Everyone I talk to, you're drowning in work. What do you do when you're drowning in work? Well, you try to take shortcuts. You try to increase bandwidth however you can. So you either hire more people to increase bandwidth. Yes. Most expensive mistake you can make, right? Yeah. So if you're only getting 50, 60, 70% out of everyone and you're hiring people, but you still had an extra 30% you could have gone out of people, you just wasted money recruiting, onboarding. Now you got to pay a salary and now you have to manage more people, which is hard, right? The The other thing that people do when they want to get more bandwidth is they just get stuff off their plate as fast as possible. Yeah. So they just text or email, like whatever's fastest in the moment. Cause it's like, I'm too busy. I'm just going to get this off That's my plate. Sure. God, the problem man. is when everyone on the team has that mindset and everyone's doing the same thing, it's like in math, it's the difference between a local optimization versus a global. You're locally optimizing. Like in the moment, you just did what's fastest. Yeah. Congratulations. But everyone's doing that. So in a week or in a month, you need to go and find that file. You need to find that conversation. Good luck. Like it's a, it, you're back to that scavenger hunt. Mm -hmm. So if everyone takes pause and in the moment makes a mutual commitment to each other, hey, this is our policy. We're all going to respect each other. We're all going to put it where it belongs. We're going to put this in this bucket, this in this bucket. That's where really we're in the moment. It's frustrating. Maybe it's like, oh man, it's an extra two clicks. But in the long term, everyone saves time. It's, yeah. it's like this. Like when you do your laundry, the fastest way to finish laundry is take it out of the dryer and throw it all into one drawer, right? A hundred percent. You don't do that though, right? Like well, you separate. <laughs> it depends on the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of people though, at least the way a lot of people finish laundry is they separate their socks from their underwear. Yeah, from, for sure. Absolutely. I definitely it, do that. And it's not faster. It's faster just to throw it all in one drawer. Yeah. But tomorrow when you have to put an outfit together, it's faster to put that outfit together because like, you know, the drawers, it's the same in business. Like you got drawers, put things in the right drawer. That is good. You like that? That's good. I love that. Yeah. You know what? I, I've been <laughs> thinking about something before you, uh, something you said earlier and I just can't let it go. That mm. there's an actual stat that's, that shows how fast it takes for us to make a decision, whether it's one person or many. Uh -huh. Where'd you get that from? I mean, I, this, I'm, I'm, t I'm citing something back from like 2014. That was about how many back and forth it takes for two people to make a, a find a time to meet. Dig into that for me real quick. Well, it's just like, if you think like me and you're trying to grab dinner on average, how many time, how many back and forth ping pong ball oh back gosh. and forth. Right. That was, there's a lot. Yeah. I, Cause I'm so indecisive. 
indecisive. People are busy. Like I'm sure if we looked at both of our calendars, like it's probably like not that easy to find yeah, overlap. So like when you start doing it, you know, you asked something too that I've been thinking about that I want to give to your audience. And you're like, where do people start? What could people do? Cause yeah, there's a lot of tools. We're dumping a lot of information. I don't want people to sit here like, man, this is too hard. Where do I start? Yeah. Something that people could start with right away is the way that people run well, email is a good one, but if you don't have the right training or their material, um, the way people run meetings is really inefficient. And if you take a look at your calendar and the meetings you have, I guarantee you what could be what what's in an, what's an hour time slot could be accomplished in 45 with some pre-work or an agenda. Yeah. What took four people probably could be done in three. What's recurring once a week maybe could be done every other week. Mm-hmm. And so I would analyze how meetings are done. That's probably like the lowest hanging fruit in most companies. And also, especially as an entrepreneur, your time is always your most precious asset. Yeah. And time isn't linear, like meaning your time isn't always worth the same. Say you value your time at $100 an hour. That's a blended average. At 9 a.m. on a Monday, my brain is at full horsepower. <laughs> I just had a coffee. I'm relaxed from the weekend. That time slot, 9 a.m. after a workout and my coffee might be a $500 time slot, mm-hmm. right? Versus like 7 p.m. on a Friday, that might be a $20 time slot, mm-hmm. right? When I'm in the back of an Uber and I don't have my, my brain's tired and I don't have my laptop. So taking a look at your calendar and, and optimizing how you do meetings, but also optimizing it around predicting where your, where your brain's horsepower is going to be and sticking things in the calendar that require higher horsepower when you can predict you're going to have, look, you can't predict how you're going to sleep tonight. And like, you might wake up feeling terrible tomorrow. So you can't predict that. But in general, you know that maybe after a day with 10 zoom calls, like your brain's going to be more tired. So like, for sure, you maybe don't want to do the biggest interview of the year after the 10th zoom call. Right. (laughs) So you just have to like, think about it like that. Not, not that every time slots worth the same and optimize how you're strategically planning out your day and your week around predicting how sharp your brain's going to be. Another thing you could do is utilize dead time in a more effective way. So when you're in the back of an Uber, I do a lot of audio and video recordings while I'm in the backs of an Uber. Then content or just like, no, for my team. So instead of me needing an hour at 9am on a Monday, maybe now I can only, I can do that in 30 minutes because I utilized all of my dead time in the back of an Uber. And because out of that hour, it's not all collaboration. Some of it's me giving updates like, hey, we just closed this deal. We're doing this. We're doing that. I don't need to eat up live time for that. That could be asynchronous. So I'll record video, send it to my team to watch in advance. They'll do the same to me. And so I'm watching their videos and recording videos for them during these times that were, you know, by and far just complete dead wastes of time. Yeah. So if you can like re-optimize and restructure your week and think about how do I make use of dead time? How do I free up more valuable time for when my brain's sharp? That's a huge win that you could do right now. You don't need any fancy tech for that. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I I, I think it's, it's a really, it's a much needed conversation around uh, time management, especially we don't, we don't really account for like the, the minute. You know what I mean? We don't really account for um, how what we can do in five minutes extra a day. 
That's or, huge. And I, bro, as That's you're talking, huge. Dude. like I probably waste so much time, bro. Man, we'll we'll do a Zoom. We'll we'll, we'll fix it. But like five minutes is massive because it's also think about it like at scale, right? Five minutes a day. Right. At the end of the week, that's 25 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. Call it a half an hour. Right. That's two hours. That's two hours a month. That's 24 hours a year. That's you. Let's say you have a team of five people. Mm-hmm. Right. It's 120 man hours a year. So when <laughs> you start thinking about it at scale across a team. Right. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, oh, but that's only five minutes. I look at that five minutes for your team as 120 hour time savings a year. What can you do as a team with a hundred and a free hundred? And it's just free. It's like, you're just getting 120 hours. Mm. Right. And there's probably a hundred of those things. I like that. It's, it's all like stacking. It's like celebrate those small wins and think about things, not for yourself, but the team, the organization. And that mindset shift really unlocks a lot of like, Hey, a lot of decisions that need to be made. Like, hey, we should do it this way because it's best for the team. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I like that. Like, um, do you, in like relation, are you married? No. No? Single. Single? Well, I, I just broke up with a long-term girlfriend of 10 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so that was, that was, you know, that was another challenge. Like finishing this book while kind of going through that was a was a weird. Are we together 10 years? Yeah. How do you feel? Um, it's a bit tricky of a question to answer, but I'm feeling all right. We're still on good terms right now, so we'll see what happens. But yeah. it, you know, it was, it was, it was a tough few months for sure. Yeah. Is she efficient too? No. In terms of like time. So no, no, no. yeah. Okay, great. I feel like we're in a comfortable space. I <laughs> like time is, it's, it's really important to me. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm, I feel real edgy if I'm on time. Um, I like to be a little early. Yep. Um, like even today I had a doctor's appointment and it lasted a little longer. Now I was on time technically for our appointment, but it wasn't that comfortable, but not everybody has like that internal clock. Yeah. Right. That that cause does that cause yeah. issues in your relationship? Totally. Not even with your ex, but just period. Yeah. yeah. Like I, like some of the things that would cause me frustration is like, you know, if you're dating someone and they like getting to the airport like right. 30 minutes before the 30 minutes before the flight takes off and you're you're sitting there like with oh. anxiety or it's like, hey, not that I'm like this massive long term planner. I'm really I'm really much more like I value my time. I don't want to just like waste 100%. time. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's challenging for me if people don't value their time and. You know, I'm sitting there like getting antsy like it becomes a problem for yeah. sure in my personal relationships i want to know how you wind up dealing because i i deal with it quite often which kind of like and i hate to be i guess sexist but i deal with it with um a lot of the women in my life yeah you know what i mean like um whether's you know one of my best like my best friend or my wife or yeah. even my daughter starting to like oh my gosh i'm like yo let's we have to go yeah is it is it right that we feel so frustrated with other humans? And and here's the thing: I don't even know. One, I don't think they're doing it on purpose. Two, I don't think there's anything they could do about it. Like I don't. I don't yeah, maybe this like is getting them. outside of my out of outside of my area of expertise. If I had the answer to that, that'd be a, a very valuable one. Yeah, I think that there's just some people, you know, and I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing because, like. When I look at some of these people, like when I look at my ex, she's one of the most happy, 
calm, stress-free people I've ever met. So versus me, like I'm always on edge. I'm like, man, I got to squeeze every second out of this thing. So I think like there's probably some in between that is more optimal. So, but yeah, I don't, I think that I've seen at least with her a shift where she now has more responsibility with work. So I think the bigger your responsibility is, the more you value your time. Yeah. I think that that's really the only way to do it is like, you know, how do you get them to value their time more? Yeah. You know, how do, okay. From a leadership CEO perspective. Yeah. How do you, obviously you can put systems in place. Yeah. But how do you manage or how do you help improve inefficient people where they just don't, they're not, they don't see it that way. They're not in a rush. They don't see the minutes. Yeah. I just don't hire them. Like, <laughs> I mean, I work, my company is an efficiency training and consulting company. Yeah. So like, if you're not efficient, it's going to be really hard to, to, to work, you know, at a company in particular, yeah. like, like mine. Um, but you know, I, one thing I don't believe in like the nine to five, like people are like, do you believe in four day work weeks five? I'm like, I believe in just setting outcomes that we're aligned on. And if they could do it in 10 hours a week, great. Yeah. If it takes them a hundred, sorry. And then it's my job to provide them with training and tools and systems and strategies to help them hit those outcomes. Yeah. But we have unlimited vacation days. I don't care where you are, when you work, it's Let's like, it done. you got to get these things done. Right. And I hope that they automate as much as possible. Like I hope that they hire their own virtual assistant and get stuff off their plate. I hope that they work 10, 20 hours a week to get it all done. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll probably start adding more to their plate if I can see that they're getting through it, but you know, I don't want, it'll prevent burnout and they'll stay longer. So for me, I really have the mindset, like what are the outcomes I'm looking for? Um, And so we have a mutual alignment there where I I want them to be more efficient, but it's better for them too, because the more efficient they are, the less hours they're going to need to work. So it's, I just kind of create a, a, I facilitate kind of this structure where we're all rooting for the same thing. Good. I love that. I appreciate it. This is a really good conversation for me. Slightly triggering because I feel like you know me like 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 personally in like every, on a regular basis like just some of the things I'm just I'm in, with with my time I want to maximize my time but in terms of efficiency I I think I I have been optimizing for now maybe that's the downside for um would you say transfer versus retrieval transfer versus retrieval because I like to be efficient with my time. I'm like, oh, let's just transfer. Let's just, yeah. let's just get it done. But it slows me down and frustrates me even more when I got to go find or try to recollect or backtrack what I thought, where I put something oh. or what I thought I said. Damn. Don't feel bad. Like everyone, literally every business owner, every entrepreneur, every team lead that I've ever worked with all do that. Mm. And that's why I decided to write this book because it's just like, yeah. my God, like there's this, there's this common issue that is like the, the systemic issue that's causing all this waste yeah. and inefficiency. So don't feel bad. The, the, the positive is it's quick to change yeah. and it makes a big impact. So it's not that, 
you know, for the past is the past. You can't change that. You just yeah. got to focus on, you know, trying to be better for 2023. Absolutely. And beyond, because they might be watching this later. And th- th- I think the stuff we talked about exactly. foundationally is just, exactly. it's just truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are just principles. Like I, I try to not focus, Hey, the best tool out there is this tool. Cause like that tool could go bankrupt tomorrow. Yeah. But what we've established is like, it's a principle, like optimize for retrieval, not transfer. It's a principle. There's these three buckets you need to think about to be efficient. It's a principle that your time's not worth the same at all different things. So it's like, understand these principles, get your team aligned around the principles, let the tools help to support rolling out those principles. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are productivity experts I'm much more interested in how a team or an organization can be productive. It's, yeah. it's way more, it's way more challenging and intellectually stimulating of a problem to solve, yeah. you know, for a team to be productive, individual productivity is necessary, but not sufficient for a yeah. team to be productive. It requires collaboration, coordination, sometimes sacrificing your own productivity. Yeah. And what we're talking about here with the transfer versus retrieval, it's a sacrifice of one's own productivity. It's faster for you to text, right? So you have to sacrifice that individual productivity so that the team as a whole can be productive, right? Right, And it, it's a much more complex, um, but interesting niche that we've really fallen into that I'm I'm really passionate about. Yeah. How anal do you get into like this whole fit? Like, do you, are you like a, a, one of those people where like y'all wear the same clothes every day so I don't have to figure out time to, no, I'm not. Dress. I'm not like that. I mean, like I wear a lot of black, but but that uh, is like the Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Steve Jobs philosophy, though, right? Yeah, but I, you know, last night I didn't wear black. I wore like this, like beige color. Thing, so, <laughs> <laughs> so no, I don't. But there's something to that. There is something to it. I I don't like harp so much on that stuff. You know, I got a morning routine. I go and work out in the mornings. I I belong to this place. I do like a cryotherapy a lot of mornings, but I'm not super rigid with that type of stuff. Yeah. Where I get rigid is I believe in these principles. And when I see a team member not following it or slipping up, you know, I'll stop and make sure like we're on the same page with the principles, right? If I see like a problem with a process, show me the template, show me the process street template. That's another tool we use. Show me, show me the template so we can go and update it. So I'll really get anal with making sure like if there's a problem, that's cool. Yeah. But I stop and I make sure that I prevent as much as humanly possible the error to happen again. Gotcha. And so I've programmed the team. Hey, if there's an error, you know, I'm going to ask you for the mm-hmm. show me the process. So like I'm training the team like just to show it to me up front. Like, hey, there's this issue. Here's the process. I love it. Right. And so like that's where I'm like I spend a lot of energy to like get the culture thinking like that. Strong. Nick, I appreciate you coming through, man. Came all the way to Atlanta to see little old us. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Podcast. Absolutely, man. So um, I guess let everybody know how they can find you, how they can work with you, yeah. where to pick up your book, all that stuff, man. Yeah. So comeupforair.com. We got the book coming out. Uh, that my first, it's with Harper Collins. So that's coming out in February. That's big, man. 20, 2023. Thank you. And... We got, got big. We got a, big Tony. Yeah, Tony front. Robbins. Yeah, Nick has cracked the code on operational efficiency. Dang. Yeah. No, we you got know Tony. We, yeah, we, I, I used to do some work for him and consult consult him. Really? Um, no, we we've got a, a tremendous response on this book. Like, I'm really excited. I think this book is going to save millions and millions of hours for people. Totally transform the way work is done. 
So mm. people can go to comeupfair.com. They could check out. We got some special offers on on some packages there um, for some of the training slash uh, books. Um, it's on Amazon. My company, getleverage.com, is training and consulting on systems. Uh, and then I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, all those all those places. So you can go and check me out there. Bro, I didn't know I got an early episode. Oh, yeah. You got an early episode. You this got an early crazy. copy there. That's and not, it's not it's even a, out yet. It's a fairly... Thick book, but the 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 pages don't have that many words. <laughs> I mean, it's you know like I mean? it's like close to eighty thousand word count book. It's like it's also not a fluffy book. Like this book, it's gonna take someone time to get through. It's meant, it's really meant to be that employee manual that you never got. Like this book, it's not something that you're gonna be able to just like summarize in three pages like you can yeah. with some books. Like this book has is filled with tactics and strategies and. In some cases, it might just be like one strategy. We're like, oh my God, that's going to save me two hours a week. Close that door for me, if you don't mind. That joint's mad loud. I think, I think it's the, uh, he has the back door open probably. I don't know. But go ahead, I'm sorry, Nick. No, all good. Or just tell him to, tell him to uh, pause it for a second. But yes, I'm sorry. So um, yeah, th- this, I need, I, need, I need this. I need this. And I need like, huh? Really, it's like a book that like your whole team needs to read. Kind well, of. that's the beauty of this stuff. Like the, as opposed to an individual productivity book, this stuff, it's like speaking a language. Like imagine, imagine you're hiring people to work with you on the podcast and one speaks French, one speaks German, one speaks Spanish. And it's like, hey, we got to go and pump out some podcasts. Mm. It's if everyone's speaking a different language, it's hard to get work done. Yeah. So with with inside of a team everyone thinks about these tools differently and they're not collaborating properly so to get the most value you need everyone on the same page like as a team we use these tools in this way so this book is built and the purpose of it is for an entire team or an entire organization to get the book so they're all speaking the same language yeah yeah no this is strong it's a good book Look, man, make sure y'all check out Nick. I met uh, Nick at Genius Network and uh, just a really, really brilliant guy. And I I think some of us, our biggest issue isn't um, your ability or your talent. It's just you don't have enough hours in a day because you've stripped yep. your hours. <laughs> you've stripped the day of hours, right? Not that you weren't provided with enough, but you personally don't have enough hours in a day and um yep. i think it's going to be really really good so i'm, I'm definitely going to check this out nick let, uh take us out with a word of wisdom uh, oh i got one question too yeah uh and i'm asking this question because i want to ask it now and i want to see the answer later so okay. where do you feel like what do you think you're going to be accomplishing or where will you be within the next five years and i'm asking because i want to ask you now and then watch this video five years from now. Have me back in five years and then we can, uh, we'll see where we're at. Um, <laughs> I'll leave you with a couple, couple of things. One, I know we've been talking about time savings and uh, it equally important to time savings is culture, mm-hmm. right? And there's a huge culture impact when there's inefficiency. Like when, when you don't trust that your colleague is going to get something done and that causes you stress and you're having to do a follow-up text on an email, on a group Slack, not because that person's a bad person, not because you don't trust that they're going to steal from you or something, but you don't trust that they've got good systems and they've got their stuff together to the point where 
you can trust that they're actually going to deliver what you're expecting. Yeah. So it's not just, it's not just time savings here. Like it reduces stress and it reduces anxiety. It helps uh, prevent those trust breakdowns and those culture impacts before yeah. it becomes an issue. Like nine out of 10 times, it's not that you have bad people that are untrustworthy in the typical sense of untrustworthy. It's just, they don't have a good system to manage and track and deliver everything you're expecting. And so things slip through the cracks. So it's not just, I just want to emphasize, we've been talking a lot about time savings, but this also helps prevent trust from eroding and culture from deteriorating. Mm -hmm. And then another thing I'll leave you with, David Allen has a great quote that your brain is for having ideas, not holding them. So you need to have systems in place you have an idea, hey, I want to have this guest on the, the podcast. Hey, I want to change the intro of how we do these podcasts. There's different places that those things should go and get put into so you capture them and you don't lose them. Because so much anxiety too is trying to hold on to all this stuff in our head. And we might be having a conversation and you're like in and out of like not forgetting something because yeah. like it's a good idea that you want to make, make sure it doesn't just die. <laughs> and so- all of that is just like stress and cognitive overload. So these systems also reduce stress and, and it frees up your brain to have those creative thoughts that are going to help you scale your company, improve your product or service. Absolutely. And you need to get stuff. You need to have a light brain to really be able to grow your company. Yeah. Wow. So good, Nick, man. Thank you so much, my brother. Are you social media, right? Yeah. Instagram? Nicholas uh, Sonnenberg on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, Nick Sonnenberg. So, no, thanks for having me, man. This oh, has yeah, been a pleasure. Absolutely. We'll have it, like, flashing throughout the, the episode. Look, y'all, make sure you do yourself a favor. Go follow Nick, man. Get the book. Like, <laughs> you really need to, like, let's just optimize our lives because uh, now I'm starting to truly understand. I, I remember years ago I read the book 4-Hour Workweek. Yeah, I love that book. And I didn't understand it at all. Yep. I just It just it didn't make sense to me. Um, I didn't understand it. But as I grew as an entrepreneur and now that I'm having this conversation, yeah, that kind of stuff is possible, but it's yeah. not possible if you're not efficient. Totally. I mean, a lot of inspiration actually for this book comes from that in the sense I found that book to not be a fluffy book in the sense, like you could summarize that book yeah. as like a blog. There was tactical, there was websites like mm -hmm. go and check out this service. And I remember like highlighting and going, stopping, putting it down, looking at websites. And so likewise, We've done the same, but it's much more for how a team or, you know, a business owner for their for their organization or an entrepreneur um, tactics and strategies and services that they can implement yeah. to like quickly and immediately save time. So I, I'm glad you brought that book up because I, I really respected what he did there in terms of just being not fluffy and having a lot of tactics. Absolutely. Look, man, we will have a link below. Or you can uh, rock with Nick, get his book, and uh, figure out how to work with him, okay? So make sure you go follow Nick and do yourself a favor. Go get you some social proof, meaning go build something. But then you got to come back to your community and teach people how you did it. That's the only way our community grows. only way our world grows, really, okay? So make sure you like, subscribe, listen to us on the audio experience of the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. We are out of here. Peace. If you like the video that you just watched, click this one. You're going to like this one, maybe even more. Click it right now. Is this 
costing me more than it's paying me. And it might not be monetarily, right? There are some people who have the story of, I was willing to lose it all, you know, Mm -hmm. for my dream. Everybody's not willing to lose it all for your dream. 